Praise the Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's a glorious day, isn't it? Praise the Lord. God is good all the time. God is good. His mercy endures forever. Aren't you glad? As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that His mercy is new every morning. So some of you ought to be very glad <laughs> that His mercy is new every morning. So uh, we want to talk this morning. Uh, Pastor Joel and Jamie asked, you know, if we could go on with the topic of grace, and I believe it's an outstanding topic. Love to talk about grace. I'm sure you love to talk and hear about grace. Perhaps you uh, might not be inclined to think that way if you ever had a girlfriend by the name of Grace and dumped you, then it, <laughs> then it might be a little different. You might have to overcome some things. But generally speaking, grace is a wonderful topic to talk about. And so we want to talk about uh, the dispensation that we're in. We are in the dispensation of grace, amen, which is a total different dispensation than the law. You know, when Jesus came, uh, he, he changed some things. And I submit to you that, I'm sure you know this, that the crucifixion, the burial, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus changed everything. Aren't you glad? So now we live in the dispensation of grace, which would mean that God's disposition towards you and the entire human race is a dispos disposition, is a mindset of grace. Amen. So he's not mad at you. Did you know that? You know, so many people think that God is mad at them and they think that he's sitting up on his throne and, you know, he's got his swatter ready. And uh, one more mistake and uh, you're going to get swatted by, by him. That's what many people think. But once you really get to know God, then you find out very quickly that he is actually very gracious. Amen. The, you know, especially if you get to know him through the New Testament. Amen. And of course, you know, many people uh, see him through the Old Testament eyes and don't really get it. But how many of you know we have to upgrade ourselves and live in the New Testament where you find out that he is a God of grace. He operates by faith and he expects you and I to operate the same way. Amen. So when he's been gracious to you, wouldn't it be good for you to offer that type of grace to people around you as well, rather than, you know, judging people based on their actions and performances? Wouldn't it be good that we offer people grace? Amen. I mean, what this world needs is grace, right? Grace is not just in context of salvation only, but grace is involved with your physical healing. Grace is involved in your marriage. If, you know, if your marriage is unstable or on the rocks, uh, you don't need another 12-step program or a 13 steps to a better marriage. You need grace. <laughs> Amen. You need some grace, praise the Lord. And, uh, of course, you know, grace is involved in every part of our lives. Amen. It's involved in your business as well. It can be involved in your business. Uh, you may not get any, if your business is in trouble, you may not get any grace from your bank, <laughs> right? Or for the mortgage company. You might not get any grace from them. But if you seek the one who offers grace, did you know he's able to help you in your business as well? And I remember, you know, I'm kind of off track already, but I'll just follow. <laughs> I'll just follow this a little bit. I remember many years ago, you know, many years ago, uh, how, how we came into the kingdom of God is really grace. Amen. It's really grace because I remember that my dad, his business was not doing, doing too well. We jokingly say he bought a business and he did his best to go broke in the first year. <laughs> <laughs> And he was really at his, at his wit's end. He did not know what to do. He actually went to the bank. He told me and he wanted to give everything back to the bank. He said, oh, they, they said, no way. You can't do that. If you, you can't just give your business back to us because we're coming after you for everything. The only thing you can keep is your wife and kids. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, uh, so that's not a good proposition. So he needed something. Well, during the time, there was a charismatic Bible study. I've told many of you many times in the past. But during this time, you know, in the church we attended, there was a charismatic Bible study. We didn't even know what a Bible study was, much less a charismatic Bible study. And, uh, but since my mom and dad didn't know what to do anymore, they were at their wits end. They decided, let's go to this charismatic Bible study. So they went. And uh, they expected them, obviously, because there were two chairs down in the basement. And they, they invited my mom and dad to sit on those two chairs and told them, we're going to pray for you. Well, in their minds, that would mean, you know, next week when we think about you, we will remember you in prayer. But if you have ever met charismatic people, they don't think that way. They... <laughs> They were serious. They meant business. They were walking around the two chairs. You know, they had a little Jericho march around the two chairs. They laid hands on them. They prophesied over them. They prayed in tongues over them. They did everything that charismatic people do. And uh, so it's at that time that they gave their hearts to the Lord. But my dad said to my mom on the way home, actually right by the Canadian Tire gas station, right? Right by the lights. They had to wait for the lights. Right by the church here. <laughs> they, my, my dad turned to my mom and said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So that night, my dad gave his heart to the Lord. He gave his family to the Lord. He gave his business to the Lord. Um, so they came home and they, you know, they called us up, us kids. And um, I was 19, I believe, at the time or something like that. And my dad said, we're Christians now. I thought we already were, but I thought, well, <laughs> I thought, okay, well, more power to you. And, uh, but I noticed, I, I noticed that things began to drastically change from that moment on. Amen. And, you know, of course it's Jesus, but he offers grace. And so, you know, I'm paying attention because uh, we're Christians now. What does that mean? Uh, you know, I thought we already were. So, you know, does that mean you go to church more? Well, they brought church home. You know, they invited me to sit in one of their Bible studies. I didn't know what to do with myself. You know, I, they had their hands raised. I, I did not know what to do with my hands. I didn't feel like raising them. That sounds, looks a little weird. I put them in my pocket. That felt a little disrespectful. So I folded my arms. That didn't work either. So I just sat there not really knowing what to do with myself. And, uh, but I'm, I keep watching them, and it wasn't very long until my dad told me the story, or I was, yeah, I kind of witnessed that. Somebody from Holland had phoned him and said, Fred, do you need this much money? And with the exchange rate back in 1978, it came to $40,000. And my dad said, well, yeah. And he kind of thought he'd loan it to him, but he said, no, I'm just going to give it to you. Praise the Lord. That's a, I don't know many of you know that's a dual miracle. First of all, that you get a $40,000, but the second miracle is a Dutchman giving money away. <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> so that's a, that's a dual miracle. Amen. Can you fix my, uh, my phone? <laughs> so praise the Lord. So um, we're going to talk about grace. Grace is power beyond your ability. Amen. Now, you may have some ability, but I can pretty much guarantee you that's going to come to an end, right? I mean, you may have some willpower. Uh, you may have some skills. You may have some things going for you, but there is a time coming that that will Finish that that will not do the job anymore. So what you need is grace. What you need is grace because grace will give you power beyond your ability. First Peter chapter two, or yeah, chapter sorry, First Peter chapter five and verse ten tells us, but the God of what? All grace. He is the God of all grace. Well, that would include all measure of grace, but it would also include all kinds or all types of grace. And did you know there are various types of grace available to us? We're going to talk about them. Okay. Well, the God of all grace, I was going to, didn't get the chance to finish the scripture, but the God of all grace will make you perfect. It will establish you. It will stabilize 
you, it will strengthen you. There it is. And it, <laughs> there it was. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'll do my best. I'll do my best to go on. Okay, here we go. Has called us unto his eternal glory. How many of you know you're called unto eternal glory? Amen. Many times we talk about the fact that we've been called out of darkness. And that's good. That's really something to celebrate. Aren't you glad that you are no longer a part of the kingdom of darkness? But you've been translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. Where you have been made worthy to inherit all the blessing of the Lord. What that simply means is you deserve every blessing. That's what grace does. Now, you may want to be humble and say, well, I don't deserve any of these blessings. But the fact that you were saved by grace has made you worthy. Right? God knew that, he, that you were not worthy. But that's why he came down and did what he did in Christ so that you from this moment on could be made worthy. Amen. Amen. God is not going to give his blessing to an unworthy being. He can't. He can't share that. So he came down and he did in Christ what he did. And so now he has made you a worthy being. You know what that means? You deserve every blessing. Now, you're not bragging on you. I understand that. I'm not bragging on me. You're not bragging on me. I'm not bragging on you. We're all bragging on what Jesus did. Right? He is the one. He is the great equalizer. He is the great qualifier. Amen. He's the great qualifier. He's the one that brought salvation to you. He's the one who purchased redemption for you. He is the one who has brought healing to you. He's the one who will restore your family. You can't do that by yourself. Amen. Have you ever noticed, have you ever witnessed to some of your family members? It's impossible, <laughs> right? It's impossible to make them see what you see. What they need is not, you know, your, your, your formula or, you know, everything that you can muster up. What they need is God's grace. Praise the Lord. So if you pray for them accordingly and you just stay in faith because we have a promise, Right? We have a promise that will tell you, Acts chapter 16, verse 31, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you and your household, you and your family will be saved. Praise the Lord. So finishing up that little story that I was telling you about my mom and my dad, uh, you know, I'm watching all of this. I saw these miracles taking place. It took me a little while to finally get there, <laughs> right, to finally accept what they had to offer was really, really a type of Christianity that I wanted. Because this stuff works. Amen. If your Christianity is not working for you, you may want to change that to, to the Christianity of the Bible. Right? I mean, a lot of people, they just do things, right? They just do things. They just go to church thinking that ought to please God. Or they just pray harder or pray longer thinking, well, that's got to do the job. But when it's all said and done, none of these things is going to do the job. What's going to do the job is believe what Jesus did for you. Amen. That's as simple as it comes. If you believe what Jesus has done, has accomplished for you on the cross, in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection and ascension, if you just simply believe that and don't do anything else, you know, don't try to impress him, <laughs> but, you know, just believe what he said. That's what's going to get the job done. All right. So he's called us unto his eternal glory. Thank you. That's very... Much appreciated. He's called us unto his eternal glory. He's called us out of darkness, thank God. But now that he has called you out of darkness, there is still a whole lot more for us to expect in our lives. Amen. And that is the fact that he's called you unto eternal glory. Amen. You're called to be a glorious being. That's good news, isn't it? You're called to be a glorious being. Praise the Lord. And, but during this time, you know, uh, <laughs> there's a little bit of suffering. You know, after you suffered a while, it's not good to know a while. It's, it's not going to be forever and ever, right? It's, you know, like this, our light affliction, Paul said, 
And how many of you know, I mean, you know, when he talks about his affliction, they were quite something. He spent time in the ocean. <laughs> he spent time, time in jail. Uh, you know, he had a lot of things go, coming against him. And he, yet he said, our light affliction. Amen. Our light affliction. So I don't care what you're going to, you know, don't make it bigger than it is. It is still a light affliction. And there is an expiry date on it because which is but for a moment. But you can even get those light afflictions to work for you according to those scriptures. Our light affliction, our light afflictions, which is but for a moment, worketh a far more greater weight of glory so you can get that working for you not by paying attention to all the sufferings and all the hardships that you have but pay attention to the promises of God amen, amen. the things that you don't see even if you go through a hard time even when you go through a hard time just talk about the grace of God because the grace is always bigger amen the grace is always bigger than any trial that you can come up with or that the devil can throw at you. How many of you know that's good news? Yeah. Amen. So rather than making a big deal about what the, what the devil has just thrown at you, why not make a big deal about the grace of God? Because it's going to get you through. It's going to get you over with flying colors. All right. So after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. If you would like some strengthening, some stabilization, you need grace. Amen. So the God of all grace, the God of all, he's the God of all grace. Say all grace. All grace, all grace has been made available to you through Jesus Christ. So let's talk a little bit about what these different graces are. Well, let's define it first. Uh, grace is the sum of all that Jesus accomplished in his work at the cross, in his resurrection and ascension. He wrapped it up together and gave it as a gift to you. He imparted that to you. Amen. He's, he's, he's done it all. Right? You cannot do anything to make you make yourself more righteous. Did you know that? Amen. If you've received Jesus as your Lord, then you have become an in Christed person. Now you're in Christ, which means you are a new creation. And it would also mean that you have become the righteousness of God, which is his nature. His nature he has imparted to you. Amen. He has imparted his nature to you. You are now the righteousness of God. You can't do anything else to make yourself more righteous. You can't do anything else to make you less righteous. You're as righteous as you're ever going to be. Now you can grow in the knowledge of that. And it's going to be helpful to you. But there's nothing that you can do to make yourself a, a more of a new creation. <laughs> you know, and how many of you know that's good news? Because I've met Christians. They're also always out there doing something else. You know, well, I got to die, you know, to this, to this horrible, horrible thought and desire that I had. Well, no, you got to wake up to the fact that you're in Christ. Amen. That's going to help you a whole lot more than you trying to die somewhere. You know, I remember back in the early days of our Christianity, my Christianity, everybody was always dying to something somewhere else. Every time God needed them, they're out there dying to something. So he couldn't use them. <laughs> so aren't you glad that we are in Christ? Because in Christ, you've been crucified. I was crucified. I am crucified with Christ. How many of you know that's good news? I'm crucified, right? If you still have to do that yourself, you know what? I mean, if you're crucified, just think about it. You're crucifying yourself. You got that hammer. You, you just finished your legs hammering that, those two legs to the cross. Now you got one arm. You're hammering that thing to the cross. You got still one arm left, right? How, how are you going to nail that thing to the cross? You got nothing left. You can't do that. So what do you do? What do, you, do? you follow Jesus, because in Christ, you went to the cross. Amen. If you follow Jesus, if you follow Jesus, that means, you know, that you have become a believer, a Christian, someone who is in Christ. Amen. And wherever he went, that's where you've been. Wherever he is now, that's where you are now. Amen. We always, I used to use the, the example of, 
our son Eric, I think he's in the back there, can't really see him, wave Eric if you're there, but we all told Eric, you know, you've, was it Eric or, I can't remember now, <laughs> oh, he's downstairs, Eric, <laughs> I don't know where my kids are, they're all over. <laughs> So anyway, so uh, we always tell him that he was, like, was he in New York City when you were pregnant? No, he was out. He, okay, he was already, oh, okay, okay, so that story doesn't work. So <laughs> who, who, were you pre- <laughs> who were you pregnant with in New York? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So that's why we put my wife on the second row, so she can't just come out and, and, ch- <laughs> and change everything on us here. So. But help, me, help me out, babe. I was pregnant in Florida with Marcel. Oh, you were pregnant in Florida with Marcel. We were on a beautiful, on a beautiful cruise. That's what it was. Okay. So anyway, the point is still the same. It's just a different kid. And the- <laughs> A different kid in a different, in a different uh, situation. We were, we were on a boat, on a ship in Florida. Marcel, so we tell Marcel, we could tell Marcel, you know, you've been to Florida. And he said, well, how would I know that? I mean, I don't think I've ever been there. But he was there in my wife. Right, that's the point I'm trying to make. You get it, right? <laughs> Okay, different, a different, different example, different example. Throw that one out because you don't believe it. Different example. Many times, you know, when I used to go to the hospital to visit people, I'm just a guy that likes open doors. I, I don't think when I see an open door, I'm in the open door. So when the elevator opens up for me, I'm just in. I don't check if I'm going up or going down. I want to be in that elevator when the door opens. So many times I've had to go to the third floor you know, to visit someone. And I wind up in parquet too with all the cars. Because <laughs> I don't pay attention to where I'm going. So many times I thought, oh, looks like I'm in for a, for a ride. But that's what it is like to be in Christ. <laughs> that's what it is like to be in Christ. Wherever the elevator went, that's where you went. That's where I went. Wherever Jesus went, that's where you've been. You may say, I've never been to hell. But in Christ, you've been there. Amen. And back. Praise the Lord. Not only that, but in Christ, you've been buried. Right? Some people say, well, you know, I guess i got to take that to the grave. i got good news for you. It's, it's been to the grave. It's gone to the grave. You are free, right? That's what the grace of God has done for you. You are so free of it that you don't even have to have or have to be conscious of it anymore. In the Old Testament, they had laws and they had sacrifices so that God would not, uh, no, no, no longer have to be conscious of your sin. In the New Testament, it's a step further. Not only doesn't God remember your sin, but you don't remember them anymore either. How many of you know that's good news? That means this. You don't have to live your life based on what you did or did not do yesterday. Amen. You don't have to be married based on something that you've done or didn't do or should have done or should not have done yesterday. Every day is a brand new day with the grace of God. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. That's good. Praise the Lord. So grace has provided for us the forgiveness of sin, the healing of the body, as well as blessing and divine favor. Amen. That's, that's what offered to you. You know, you can't do anything to receive your healing, right, other than just believe that you've received it. You can't pray more, pray harder, sing more, sing louder. You know, that's okay if you do all of those things. But if you try to do that in order to get something from God, you're on the wrong track. All you need to do is believe what he said. Sing about it, <laughs> talk about it, and be happy about it. Amen. Just be happy about it. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. You know what that means? Just get real happy about serving Jesus. It's just so simple, right? We've made it so difficult, right? If I do everything just right, you know, if I plug in the right formula, uh, if my level, if my level of 
whatever skill is at a, at a, at a higher place, I'm going to do much better. Well, none of this, uh, you know, some of those things are probably good, but not when it comes to receiving from God. There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you can't do to earn your way for his salvation, for his healing, for his blessing, for his favor. You might be sitting in church this morning, and maybe you're here for the first time and never been to a church even. Uh, you could be sitting here and thinking to yourself, well, you know, I mean, I don't think these people are any better or any worse than I am. I'm just as good as they are. Well, that may be. <laughs> that may be, but it would not give you any points that would earn you what God has offered you. It's not going to qualify. You might be sitting here, you know what? All these people, they just seem to be so much better than I am. Well, you don't have to be disqualified by that either because it's got nothing to do with you, but it's got everything to do with Jesus. Hallelujah. Number three, grace is God's disposition towards the human race displayed in goodness, kindness, and a willingness to richly impart his nature to whosoever will. To whosoever will. Are you willing? I suppose you are because you're here. <laughs> Amen. If, if, you're, if you're willing, then this, this is offered to you. Whatever you need from him has been offered to you. You know, you could say grace is, you know, many times people say it this way. It's, it's the acronym G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at, at Christ's expense. And that would be good. That would be good. It's really impossible to really define grace because it's just so vast. It's as vast as the ocean. Amen. But really, you know, everything, everything that Jesus has accomplished in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, he has given it to you free of charge. Free of charge. Amen. Forgiveness of sin. Healing of the body. Restoration of your family. Restoration of your finances. Whatever you need. If it's in the covenant. If it's part of the promises of God. They are what? Yes. And amen. Yes and amen. To the glory of God. So uh, your job is to say yes and amen. Right? Every time you read something that's a promise. You say yes and amen. Don't say well you never know. You know, well, um, I'm not sure if I qualify. Well, no, get rid of all that stuff and just believe it. Just simply believe it. All right. Here are a few different types of grace. The five types of grace. Number one is the grace by which you are saved. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. I would, I would uh, submit to you that every denomination... You know, every church has no problem with the grace by which you are saved. Everybody believes you are saved by grace through faith. Amen. Nobody struggles there. Then there's also another type of grace which will strengthen you. Paul talks about it, uh, about a grace that came in him that strengthened him. Without that kind of grace, you would break. You would break under the pressure. You'd break under the, the, the persecution. But thank God there is a grace available to you that will cause you to stand up under the most difficult circumstances. Number three, the grace by which you become set apart or sanctified. Now, some people don't like the word sanctified because it gives them a funny feeling, you know, sanctified, I don't know, or, you know, or ho holiness. But how many of you know holiness, sanctification are good things? It just simply means to become set apart. And everybody likes things to be set apart. You know, you like things to be set apart. You remember the day of the fax machine, right? How that... During that time, everybody had a fax machine. I think it was the late 80s, early 90s. I mean, it was a hip thing to have a fax machine. But you remember that nasty little sound that you got in your ear, like... <laughs> right? Or a voice message was left, or 50 messages were left because they tried to fax you, and you don't even have a fax machine. <laughs> and it came, it came on your voicemail. Remember those days? And you... You click it and you get that nasty sound. So finally people got smart and they said, let's have a dedicated fax line. You pay more, but you got another fax line, right? So God is interested in you being dedicated to him. He is a jealous God. 
You know what that means? He wants you for himself. He's not interested in sharing you with the world. He's not interested in sharing you with the with the devil. <laughs> he's, not share, he's not interested in sharing you with the things of darkness. He wants you for himself. But the same grace that has saved you, thank God, will be the same grace that will set you apart. And how many of you know that's really good news, right? Because sometimes people struggle there, right? You know, they're dealing with addictions in their lives or, you know, some bad habits in their lives. And they don't know how to deal with that. They may go as far as go to a clinic even to deal with the addiction. And they come out thinking that they're now made whole and they do well. But it's a matter of time, a month or two months. And they fall right back and they think, well, I cannot beat this. I can't not beat this. This thing is bigger than me. Thank God you need grace. Right? The grace of God will, will help you. It will, it will strengthen you. It will get you the help, the strength that you need. Amen. I, I can give you some examples. I, maybe it will come up later on. Then the Bible talks about the grace by which you prosper. Pastor Joel already uh, alluded to it earlier on, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. Actually, start, let's start with uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that he for your sakes became poor, so that you through his poverty might be made rich. Now, when was he made poor? I used to think at Christmas time. <laughs> right, I mean, <laughs> the King of Glory came down from heaven, and he has to be in a in a in a manger now. You know, I mean, that's that's not right. I thought he became poor. Well, that's not the case. You have to ask yourself the question: When did Jesus become sin? It's on the cross, right? He became sin for us, that we, you know, he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us, so that we who knew no righteousness, might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. An exchange. The cross is the place of exchange where God became, or Jesus became exactly like you, so that after the cross, in the resurrection, you could become exactly like him. So it's on the cross that he became poor, so that now that we are living beyond after the cross in the resurrection, we might become rich. You believe that? Yeah. A lot of people struggle there. They say, well, you know, you should even be saying that because it doesn't sound humble. But if it's in the Bible, you better say it. Right? Amen. All right, we'll get there in a moment. And then the grace by which you serve. How many of you know we're supposed to serve in the church? But you can't just base it on your talent or you can't base it on where somebody thinks you ought to fit here. You ought to, you know, stick yourself here and you got to get, a, got to get busy, <laughs> right? That's fine, but uh, there's a higher place. There's a higher place where you answer the call of God on your life and say, well, I don't really know who I'm called. Maybe you are the pastor and maybe some of the Sunday school teachers, they're called, but I don't know if I'm really called. Well, I got good news for you. There are many giftings within the Bible that help you with your calling. As a matter of fact, to summarize it, there's really only one call that everybody has. Did you know that? If you go through the New Testament, you'll always see this, that the word call is never, or calling is never ever plural it's always singular meaning you have only one call and did you know your call is the same call that Jesus has what is that call to build the church amen, amen. what did Jesus say about the church he said upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against her guess what Jesus is doing now he's building his church Amen. He's building his church. And so uh, just like he is building the church, you, your calling is to build the church. Now, where the differences come in is based on your grace. You are graced different than other people around you. Even if you were graced the same as the people around you, the expression of that grace is still different. So... There's so many different ways that God is able to build the church. 
Amen. But it is based on grace. It's based on grace. Now, that's very important, right? Especially when you, especially when you want to get involved with the kingdom of God because it needs to be built. Did you know that? I remember when we first started the church. I mean, my goodness, we needed help. I needed help. <laughs> you know, I needed praise and worship leaders. I needed, I needed Sunday school teachers. I needed all these people, you know, just to help build. And I remember phoning the organization that we were connected with. It was in, back then in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I phoned him and I asked him, I said, do you have anyone that can uh, help us lead praise and worship? Or anyone who can lead the youth or anyone that can lead, lead a children's service. He says, well, no. But he said, as soon as we know, as soon as we have one, then we'll let you know. I remember hanging up the phone thinking, you liar. <laughs> as soon as you find one, you're going to keep him for yourself. <laughs> so that actually, you know, brought me to the point that I've witnessed, you know what? We need good leadership. All right, we need people that will not just volunteer only. I mean, that's great, uh, you know, but that answer the call of God on their lives. So how do you answer the call? By becoming knowledgeable about your grace, becoming knowledgeable. Can you see how vast this topic is? You remember that Paul said, uh, for this I say unto you by the grace that is given to me. See, he's not talking about salvation grace. Or sanctifying grace. He's talking about serving or ministry grace. It's a whole different thing. He said, he made a statement in 1 Corinthians. He said, um, you know, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he said, you know, I have done more work than all the other apostles combined. Oh, come on, Paul, you braggadocious outfit. <laughs> you might think that. But then he qualifies it. He said, but it wasn't me. He said, it's the grace that's working in me right so he qualified it he said it's not that he's just so busy doing all of these things he said no it's the grace of God that's functioning in me no do you know what if you find your grace then you have found your place in the body of Christ and you know what that's very helpful it's very helpful as a matter of fact the first uh, scripture that we read first Peter 5, 5 10 it says you know that the grace of God it will can remember it will Settle, it doesn't say settle, but it'll do something. <laughs> but uh, what, it really, what it really means, that first word, it will strengthen you, has to do, it'll, it'll help you fit in the right place. Right. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever been to a place where you don't really fit? Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's kind of, you feel like, feel like a milk bucket under a bull. <laughs> something is not quite right. Or a pork chop at a kosher wedding. There's something... <laughs> Something is wrong. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way? Right. So thank God grace will help you. Grace will help you get to the right place. Amen. And then it fits. And when you have found that right place, it's just like a well-machined, well-oiled machine. Right? Like a well-oiled machine. You know, it just, it just flows. It moves. It just carries you all over the place. As a matter of fact, it'll open up doors for you that you would never be able to open up for yourself. All right, let's go through some of those scriptures. How much time do I have? I don't see any clock here. <laughs> and I, a few minutes? A few minutes, okay. The grace by which you are saved. Let me back up a moment. The grace by, I can't get there from here. All right, so... Let's just go with this one then. <laughs> the grace by which you become set apart. <laughs> the grace by which you become set apart. This is Titus chapter 2 verses 11 and 12. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Teaching us. Grace is teaching you something. Right? What does it teach you? That uh, de denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Do you know that's possible? And do you know that's very attractive? Actually, when you live that kind of a lifestyle, it's actually very attractive. See, I always grew up thinking church is just so boring. 
you know, and you got to just always do the right thing. But once you got grace operating in you, it's a motivating factor. You want to do these things. No longer a matter of you have to, right? You have to. I remember, you know, way back when I remember, before I was born again, I would get out of the bar on a Saturday night before 12. Because if I'm there after 12, that's Sunday. That's the Lord's Day. I can't do that. (laughs) Sounds nice, right? But you know what it is? That's just a bunch of works. It's just a bunch of works that didn't do anything. Praise the Lord. So I got, thank God, the grace of God gets you to the point you don't even want to go there anymore. It's not a matter that you, that you can't or you shouldn't or that you're not supposed to. It's a matter you don't want to. Amen. I don't want to. I don't want to. Thank God. I mean, that's, that's how I got free from smoking, which was an addiction to me. You know, it was, it was an addiction to me. Everything left me after I got born again. Everything left me. A foul mouth, uh, everything. It, I just didn't want to do that stuff anymore except smoking. I kept smoking. And I didn't know it. Well, first of all, I didn't really know it was wrong because when I grew up, I mean, after church, you go outside, you have a cigarette, and you talk to people, right? So I went to this new happening church. I'm a born-again believer (laughs) with my Bible, and I had a smoke right after the service. I've never seen that many Christians come out of the woodworks. (laughs) They came out, and they told me in no uncertain terms, don't you know that's wrong? Don't you know that your body is a temple of, of, of the Holy Spirit? And, uh, you know, if God sees you, he's going to de- de- destroy your body. I thought, ooh, that's heavy. <laughs> so that didn't sound right. That didn't, you know. So what I did is I, I was hiding it now, right? Obviously, this new church that I'm at, they don't appreciate me smoking. So I'm going to hide it. So I didn't feel good about that. But So I'm going to quit. But I didn't know how to quit, right? I quit before many years ago, uh, you know, but I was never free. You know, that, you know that feeling? I was never free. I remember sitting in a restaurant and finish my dinner, have a cup of coffee. I see everybody else did the same thing, but they had to smoke, and I can't because for whatever reason, I quit. <laughs> so I can't have what they do. So I was never free. So now I'm, I have to go through the same thing again of a whole process of quitting. I thought, oh, man, that's a long haul. That's a long haul. And so I thought, well, you know, since it's so difficult, let me go to my church. And so I went to my church, and I asked my pastor at the Sunday night service, can you pray for me? I want to quit smoking. He was more than happy to. He prayed for me. And uh, so I thought, well, that ought to fix it. And so I remember driving home again. And uh, that craving came right back. As a matter of fact, I threw my cigarettes out because I thought, well, that fixed it. So only to find out the craving came back and I bought myself a new pack of smokes. <laughs> During the week, I smoked a few cigarettes, felt guilty, thinking, well, that's the Holy Spirit, right? You know, well, that's, that must be the Holy Spirit con- con- convicting me. That's what I thought. So I threw the package out again, only to buy a new pack again because the craving came back. So it became expensive. <laughs> when you buy all these smokes and you, you smoke a few and then throw the rest of them away, so that's not really helpful. So I went to church again on the Sunday night, and I asked a few more people, pastor and a few more, can you pray for me? Well, yeah, they did. So they prayed for me again. Cast a few demons of nicotine out of me. I thought, well, that ought to fix it. (laughs) So I drove home. I remember, or not home, but I drove to where I stayed. And the craving, it came back again. So I thought, well, that didn't work. Bought myself another pack. You know, pack of cigarettes, start smoking again. How do I get rid of it? Thank God for grace. I found out from the grace of God that I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. And I thought, you know, and really, I started really meditating on that. I remember during lunch hour when everybody, you know, is going for lunch. I went for lunch as well, but I got my Bible out. You know, I eat my lunch, I smoke a cigarette, and I read my Bible. And I'm reading, I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. And I did that for quite some time. And I said that to myself. I kept telling myself, you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. And I remember that my mind is giving me problems, right? Well, nice (laughs) nice Christian you are claiming to be the righteousness of God and here you are smoking where nobody can see you but I stuck with it because it's the word 
And how many of you know it's the word that's going to set you free? Jesus said this, if you continue, that's the secret, right? Don't quit. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Will absolutely make you free. So one day I, I woke up. You know, literally, I woke up in, in, my, in my own spirit because I, I found out I'm the righteousness of God. I don't want to do this. So I threw him away. See, there's your motivating factor. It's not a matter of you can't, not supposed to, you shouldn't be doing this. It's a matter of now I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm doing all the smoking that I want to at this moment, which is nothing. I don't. I have, it just left me. <laughs> it just left me. I don't want to do this stuff. Praise the Lord. So it teaches you something, right? The grace of God inside of you will teach you something. Could you back up to, can we start with uh, number one? The, it's the grace by which you are saved. The grace by which you are saved. We all know it for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. How many of you know that grace and faith will always trump human effort, willpower, rules, formulas, programs, and systems? Always. Always. There's nothing wrong with that, but don't lose sight of the fact that God has offered you grace. Amen. Even when you fail, guess what? You know, as, you know it's, not a, it's not a matter of how often you go down. It's a matter of how often do you get back up. Amen. It's not a matter in your marriage how many fights you have. It's a matter of how many times do you make up again. You know, if, they, if, if, if you outdo them, if, you know, if you get up one more time, one more time, then you're falling, then you're, you're, you will make it. Praise the Lord. You will make it. But the grace of God is going to help you to really overcome. Can you say amen? It's going to help you really overcome. All right. Next one is. Oh, maybe I can do it from here. Yeah. The grace by which you are set apart. The next one we talked about. The grace by which you are strengthened. Paul made this statement. You remember the story how that. He talked about himself. He went to the third heaven. Remember him talking about that? Where he heard things that he was not able to put into words. Amen. And then he talks about how that, you know, he came back and now he's preaching this message. He's doing his best to put it into words, what he heard. And he made a statement because of the, the revelations that were given to him. There was also given to him a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet him, lest, he said, I should be exalted above measure. He didn't say, lest I should be exalting myself. He's not talking about that. He's talking about a third party exalting him. Guess what party that would be? It's God. God wanted to, to, to exalt Paul based on the wisdom that he had given him. Because when you exalt the wisdom of God, it will promote you. How many of you know God is interested in exalting you? He's interested in promoting you. He's not interested in you promoting yourself because you don't know how. <laughs> right? But if you honor the wisdom of God, Proverbs says, it will exalt you. So that's what was happening to Paul. And the devil didn't like it. So, so the devil sent a special messenger. An angel to him, a special messenger to buffet him. The word buffet means to hit just like a wave hits the ship over and over again. So that demon, that, yeah, that, uh, that force, that demonic force kept hitting Paul in his ministry over and over and over again. That Paul said, I asked the Lord three times to take it away from me. And then the, Jesus gave him a word. He said this, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength, you can almost see it, right? It's, it can be exchanged. It can be exchanged. My grace is my strength. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. He didn't tell Paul, keep that problem. No, no, no. He said, I've given you my grace to overcome it. Now, how many of you know that's good news? 
right? So there are things in this life that you can overcome by faith because you've been given a promise. But there are also things in this life you don't really have a promise for, but you have, have the grace of God to overcome. How many of you know uh, you don't have a promise to overthrow some people? Right? You don't have a promise when somebody cuts you off in traffic. You know, I'm going to use the working of miracles on that dude and flip his car. <laughs> You'd like to do that, but it doesn't work that way. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to operate by grace. <laughs> There's strength inside of you that will hold you back and just say, you know what? It's okay. I'm, I'm going to get there anyway. Praise the Lord. So he said, he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So the Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, in my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Really what he was telling the devil is, come on, devil, bring it up. Bring it on. Bring it on. When you found my weakest spot, I'm still stronger than you are because of the grace of God. Hallelujah. All right. Moving on. The one that sets apart the grace by which you... Okay. Can you back up one? The grace by which you prosper. We just quoted 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. The exchange scripture, right? For you know uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that, you know, you through his, through his poverty you might be made rich. Here's the other side of it. Why are you made rich? Why are you made rich? Why? It's to do this, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. Oh, do we have, can you put the other one on? This is the one that I just talked about. Can you put 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8 on there too? Is there a way of doing that? Anyway, let me quote it to you. Uh, For God is able to make all, what's the word? Grace abound unto you. So that you, having all sufficiency, all your needs met, having all sufficiency in all things, may be able to give into every good work. That ought to be the goal for every believer. When you operate in grace, the grace that will help you prosper, you will have all your needs met to such a degree that you've got enough left over to give into every good work. I have not yet been able to give into every good work, but it's my goal. Amen. I'm not, I'm not here, you know, do you have to pay a tithe? Do you have to pay an offering? You don't have to, you get to. <laughs> do you have to go to church? You don't have to, you get to. Because if you operate by grace, there's a motivating engine. There's an engine on the inside of you that will drive you. I, I want to do this. I want to tithe. Do you know why? Because then I, then I qualify to be one of these people that all grace has been made available unto me so that in all things I may be able to give into every good work. Last but not least, I'm going to quit with this, the grace by which you serve. Notice this, Romans chapter 12 and verse 6. Having then gifts, that word literally means charisma, where we get the word charismatic from. Charismatic does not mean that the pastor is able to, you know, do cartwheels up front because he's so excited. (laughs) I mean, charisma or charismatic really means that you've been graced. Amen. It's the expression of the grace that's inside of you, differing according to the grace, which is charis, that is the actual driving force inside of you that is given to us where the prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. And then there's a few other scriptures that will talk about serving and teaching and giving. These are all different gifts or graces that are operating in the body of Christ. So I believe it'd be really good for us to become knowledgeable about all these different graces because not only will it set you free, but it's going to help you serve in the body of Christ. Praise God. I trust you got something out of this this morning. I'm giving it right back to Pastor Pastor Joel. It's always such a joy to be home and, um, you know, be with my family, be with my extended family as well. God bless you. Thank you very much.